Our passage this morning is from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32, and it's, it's best known as the parable of the prodigal son. Luke 15 actually contains three different parables. There's the parable of the lost sheep, uh, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son, which many commentators call the parable. I'm sorry, the parable of the prodigal son, which many commentators call the parable of the lost son. You know, we often focus on the younger son, as the title would suggest, but the parable of the prodigal son actually contains three main characters, all of whom deserve a study in their own right. Now, to be sure, there is the younger son, who had grown tired of his father's oversight and instead went out into the world and spent his inheritance in an extravagant, sinful lifestyle only to be brought to ruin and return to his welcoming father. But there's also the older son who dutifully obeys his father, staying at home, caring for the family, but who despises the unconditional love that his younger brother receives. And finally, there's the father who gives away all that he has, welcomes home the wayward son in a manner of extravagant forgiveness and at the same time pleads with the older son to be reconciled and to join the celebration. Three characters, easily three different sermons. But this morning I would like to simply look at the parable the way Jesus introduced it. When he says, now there was a man who had two sons. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, I'd pray this morning that you would open our hearts, Lord. Open our hearts to your word. Um, do not allow me to get in the way of what you're doing here this morning, the way you're moving among us and the way you're working among your people, Father. May you be glorified in the study of your word. And we pray this in your son's precious name. Amen. The prodigal son. There was a time when I would have said to you that the word prodigal meant something like wayward or disobedient or foolish, like a wayward child. But that's really not a good definition. Prodigal comes from the Latin word prodigos, from which we get our word prodigious, which means to give something on a lavish scale, extravagantly, staggering amounts, even to the point of recklessness. Well, the younger son can certainly be called prodigious in the way he recklessly gave his wealth away. But I think to call this the parable of the son who recklessly gives away his inheritance really misses some of the rich meaning of the message. And so I prefer the title, the parable of the prodigal son. I'm sorry, the parable of the lost son. Luke chapter 15 begins with what was a common scene in the Gospels. Jesus is fellowshipping with the tax collectors and sinners, and the ever-present Pharisees are there criticizing Jesus for socializing with those that they deem to be unworthy. Jesus' answer, as recorded by Luke, is a string of three different parables, all with a common flow and a common theme. Beginning in verse 3, we have the parable of the lost sheep. You know this one. A shepherd loses one sheep out of a hundred, so he goes and searches diligently until he finds it. And when he does, he calls all of his friends and neighbors together for a time of uh, a joyous celebration. Then starting in verse 8, we have the parable of the lost coin. A woman loses one coin out of ten, 
So she sweeps the house, lights a lamp, and searches intently. And when she finds it, she calls all of her friends and neighbors together for a time of rejoicing and celebration. And then finally in verse 11, we have the parable of the lost son. A man loses one of his sons to foreign lands, and so he waits patiently and earnestly. And when that son returns, the father calls all of his friends and neighbors together for a time of rejoicing and celebration. But unlike the first two parables, this parable adds a third element, the older son, who at the end of the parable refuses to join the celebration and be reconciled with his younger brother. So this morning we will take a few minutes to look at all three characters, the younger son, the older son, and the father. It should be clear to us, as it was certainly clear to those who were listening to Jesus that day, who was represented by these three characters. The younger son represents those tax collectors and sinners that Jesus was fellowshipping with. Those who had lived a self-centered lifestyle, forsaking God and his law, but who had found acceptance and forgiveness in Jesus, and who were now celebrating and feasting in his presence. The older son, on the other hand, represented the Pharisees with their long list of rules that they lived by and, of course, required everyone else to live by. They had not experienced Jesus' forgiveness because, after all, they felt they had nothing to be forgiven for. And they were most assuredly not celebrating with the sinners. And finally, the Father represents God, or more specifically in this case, Jesus, the one hosting the feast who not only accepted the younger sons, but amazingly was pleading for the older sons to join the celebration. So as we look at each of the characters this morning, and really I would say anytime you study scripture, I would encourage you to find your place in the story. To find where God might be using scripture to speak to you this morning. But a couple of ground rules first. In this message I'm going to refer frequently to older sons and younger sons. But I hope it would be obvious to you that the parable applies to older and younger sons and daughters. And so as you look for, look for application this morning, uh, please be aware of that. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think everyone here is either a son or a daughter, right? Okay, good. Secondly, I will make frequent, frequent reference to younger sons and older sons. But as you listen and consider where you might fit in this parable, please don't get hung up on where you are in the birth order of your particular family. Okay? I hope we all realize that we can all be older sons or younger sons, as the parable describes. And the last ground rule is, well, honestly, I'd ask for a little grace. I had to keep reminding myself that this story was a parable told by Jesus, and that the characters are not real people. If I give them a little bit more flesh and bone than it's described here in Scripture, well, it just helped me to um, relate to them more, I guess. And so if I go a little bit beyond what you would, I would just ask for a little grace there. So with those ground rules out of the way, I ask you, which character do you identify with this morning? First, we'll start with the younger son. Likely living in the shadow of his goody-two-shoes older brother, the younger son finally decides that he's had enough. He has suffered under the 
authority of his father and the perfect example of his older brother his entire life. The lure of freedom beats within the chest of the younger son and he longs for a change. No more rules, no more authority, no, no more comparisons with someone else. I'm going to live my life my way. I'm going to be the captain of my own ship. And so he asks in verse 12, no actually he demands the unthinkable. In verse 12 we read his demand. Give me the share of property that is coming to me. In other words, give me my inheritance now. I have a question for you this morning. When do you receive an inheritance? You receive it when the one granting that inheritance dies. The younger son's attitude here speaks volumes. Father, I no longer care about you or what you think. I make my own decisions now. You mean nothing to me, so give me what you owe me now. You know, on more than one occasion, I've sat in front of a wealthy parent who said something to the effect of, my kids are just waiting for me to die. Boy, there's a sad hollowness there. To be known that you're viewed as nothing more than a big payday or a windfall. Such was the attitude of the younger son. The only reason I'm hanging around here is for my inheritance, but I can't wait any longer. Give it to me now, and I'm out of here. Even separated by 2,000 years in a different culture, those words strike us as raw. They're shocked, shocking words. Don't minimize the younger son's sin here. His words and attitude went against all cultural, moral, and religious norms of his day, just like they go against all cultural, moral, and religious norms of our day. So how does the father respond? How would you respond? Well, to our amazement, and likely the amazement of those listening to Jesus, the father complies. And in verse 12, he divides his property between his two sons. Now, if they followed Old Testament examples, the older son would have received a double portion of the inheritance. So in this case, the older son would have received two-thirds of the estate, and the younger son would have received one-third. This is not a big point in the message, so if you get hung on that, just move on. Uh, but it is what, uh, what I will assume this morning. So with a pocket full of hard-earned family wealth, the younger son strikes out on his own. He goes to a foreign land, or as Jesus says, to a far country, far away from his father, far away from his brother, far away from every other authority figure in his life. And he quickly finds that his money buys friends, it buys excitement, and it buys a lifestyle of self-indulgence. But as we all know, and as expected, the marriage of youth and wealth soon ends in a very messy divorce. The younger son learns the hard lesson that the lure of the world does not satisfy, and it certainly does not last. The money runs out, fast friends are fast gone, 
And to make matters worse, a famine comes, and the younger son finds himself having to work. Imagine that. So he finds a job. But not just any job. A job feeding pigs. You know, the Jews considered pigs to be the filthiest of all animals. Not only could you not eat them, if you even touched them, you were considered defiled and unclean. And so here's where the younger son finds himself. Not only in the presence of pigs, but feeding and caring for them. All the while, he is starving. Literally, the pigs are better off than he is. But then Jesus says the younger son came to himself. The New Living Translation says he finally came to his senses. He remembers that even his father's hired servants were better off than he was, and they had plenty to eat. His circumstances had humbled him. The lure of the world did not provide the satisfaction that it had promised, and being captain of his own ship had not worked out as he had planned. So he repented. He literally turned around. He rehearsed his speech, and he returned to his father, hoping simply to gain a a presence, a role within his father's house as one of the hired servants. What he didn't expect, and certainly what the Pharisees did not expect as they listened to the story, was the father's welcome. Scripture says he ran to him. He embraced him, he kissed him, he clothed him, he elevated him, and he celebrated his son's return. Celebrated. Can you imagine that? Celebrating the return of the one who had lost everything. Celebrating the one who had humiliated him. Celebrating the one who had literally wished his father was dead. The younger son had messed up royally. He had lost his inheritance. He had shamed his father. But he was now accepted back. Not as a groveling servant who was facing a lifetime of trying to pay back what was lost. But he was accepted back as a son. The son that was lost had been found. The son that was dead was alive again. The story of the younger son is a remarkable picture It's one of grace, mercy, forgiveness, and restoration. The next character we will consider is the older son. The one who did not forgive and did not celebrate. Let's be clear about something up front. It was not about the money. It was not about the money. The older brother had received his share of the property back in verse 12, remember? Where it says, the father divided his estate between his two sons. Now some commentators I read put forth that the son was angry because since the younger son was received back as a son, then the inheritance would start all over again. And that the younger son would now be entitled to a third of what was left and the older son two-thirds of, well I guess two-thirds of the two-thirds, right? But I don't read that in scripture. I don't think the text supports that conclusion. For one, the older son never mentions the possibility of him losing part of his inheritance. He never complains about that. Secondly, when you go down to verse 31, the father clearly tells the older son that all that is mine is yours. 
The father had already divided his estate between the two children back in verse 12. So in a very real sense, and perhaps even legally, the father had no more estate to give to the younger son, even if he wanted to. No. When we read the older brother's complaint, it isn't about the money. It's about the celebration. It's about forgiveness for the one who never followed the rules. Listen to the words at the end of the parable from the older son. There's never been a great celebration for me. I've worked for you all my life. I've served you all these many years. I've never disobeyed you. I've earned a celebration. Where is my celebration? He despises the attention being lavished on the younger son. And he wants nothing to do with his brother. You can even hear the disgust in his, verse in, in his voice in verse 30. When he says, this son of yours has devoured your property. He's not my brother. He's your son. And he doesn't deserve and hasn't earned your mercy and your forgiveness. So at the end of the parable, the older son stands outside the celebration feast with his checked off list of righteous deeds, bitter that the celebration is even taking place. Finally, there's the father. The father in the parable paid a considerable price, materially speaking. In the parable, the father didn't just lose a third of his estate to the younger son. As I mentioned, he also freely gave away the remaining two-thirds to the older son. We aren't told why he gave away his estate so willingly. Perhaps, as we often hear, it was to keep peace within the family. Or perhaps he knew that, like all of us, his time here on earth was limited. And so he was simply giving away something that he would not be allowed to keep anyway. Or perhaps he knew that this life was not about the stuff. But it's about the celebrations. It's about the relationships we build with our family, with our friends, but most importantly, with our God. It's about the celebration that occurs when one is reconciled to the Father. So the Father gave away all of the material wealth that he had, but he gave away much more. Because it wasn't about the wealth. It was about sons who were lost and needed to be found. It was about sons who were dead and needed to be alive again. He gave his reputation. He gave forgiveness. He gave mercy. He gave lavishly, extravagantly, recklessly. One might even say prodigiously. Being a prodigal father can be costly. To pay a great price to be reconciled with those that are lost. But oh, can there be any greater reason for a celebration? He was reconciled with the one who was unrighteous. And he pleaded to be reconciled with the one who was self-righteous. So where do you find yourself in the story? Some of us can relate to the younger son. When we honestly think about our relationship with our Heavenly Father, we see one of... Headstrong self-centeredness. Our idea of freedom it does not always match up with the rules of Scripture. At least not all of them. We're content, content to keep some of the rules. 
but we'll chuck the ones that we don't agree with. My life is exactly that. It's my life. And I intend to live it the way I choose in spite of the consequences. You know, as younger sons, we may never leave the house. We may stay right here. But we live our lives the way we want to. Our priorities, our wants, our way. And we call it freedom. But perhaps as we sit here this morning, we recognize that those who are experiencing true freedom are in our Father's house, fellowshipping with Him. So maybe we'd like to go back to the Father for a fresh start. But we've messed up so many times. We know all too well the cycle of sin. Where we sin, we feel guilty for our sins, we repent, we're reconciled to the Father, only to start the same cycle over again tomorrow or next week or next month. Does that sound familiar to you? Have you sinned too many times to be accepted back to a father? Are your sins too great? Know this this morning. Your heavenly father is standing at the gate. And he is anxiously awaiting your return. He's ever desiring to see you turn around and truly repent. So that he might run to you. And accept you back as a son. A message to the fathers out there. Our younger sons need to know that regardless of their sin, they can never be too far away from our love and mercy and forgiveness. Fathers, it is in us that they see the true love of our Heavenly Father. It's in us that they experience forgiveness and a prodigious love. But you may say, but there are rules in my house. Good. I hope there are rules in your house. And, and there are consequences if you break those rules. Again, good. Rules are worthless without consequences. But that should never diminish our love or our forgiveness for the younger sons. You know, Robert Frost, the writer, said, Home is the place where when you go there, they have to take you in. But I'm afraid many of our younger sons have learned that home is the last place they would be accepted. Brothers among us, that must not be. Fathers, our younger sons need to know that we are anxiously waiting for them to return. And they need to know that when they do return, we will come running. We will come running to embrace them and receive them as our sons. They need to know that they will be forgiven much because we have been forgiven much. For those of us who relate more to the older son, the message this morning is just as clear. Far from the example of the younger son, we live a life of obedience, at least on the outside. We have the smug satisfaction of knowing each night as we place our head on the pillow that our conscience is clear, that each box has been checked, Proud that we're not living the life like those tax collectors or sinners or younger sons. Yet, if we too are honest, we know that something is missing. It's called joy. 
Others around us are participating in a celebration feast, and we feel like we're on the outside. And we can hear our Heavenly Father pleading with us, I know about your righteous acts. I know about the good deeds that you've done. But look where you are. You're standing outside of the celebration feast. Oh, hear the words of Jesus. Go sell all that you have. Your righteous acts. Your list of good deeds. Your dry religious acts. Sell them all and come and follow me to a celebration feast. You know, I mentioned earlier that I prefer the title, The Parable of the Lost Son. Because it fits in the chapter, right? The parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. But it's not until the end of the story that we realize which son was truly lost. Father, our older sons need to know that while we appreciate them following the rules all the time, it's not about the rules. It's about the heart. It's the relationship that matters. Following all the rules is of no use if you're standing outside the celebration feast, checking off your list of good deeds. It's only those who are reconciled to the Father who enter the celebration feast. And so the Father pleads with us older sons, put down your list of accomplishments. Instead, come and join the celebration and be reconciled. What about those of you this morning who are fathers? Perhaps you have children that resemble either the younger son or the older son, or perhaps even both. How are you to love them? Oh, prodigiously. Both our younger sons and our older sons need to hear the same message. That the love of our Heavenly Father knows no bounds. That His forgiveness overcomes any sin that we can imagine. And that He desires that all will join the celebration feast. When we look at this parable, please understand that what was prodigiously given was not material wealth. But it was love and forgiveness. It was given when it was not deserved as in the case of the younger son. And it was given when it was not accepted, as in the case of the older son. But this is a picture of what our Heavenly Father has done for us. In the Old Testament, David was a character who, who certainly knew what that sin cycle was like. To mess up royally, to sin, to request forgiveness, to be restored, yet to sin again. And yet he wrote these words in Psalm 103. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. Praise God, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. David knew this compassion. In the midst of his sin, he knew what it was like to be embraced 
by a father who loved him prodigiously. A father who was merciful and kind. A father who desires that all would come and join the celebration feast. Near the end of his life, the Apostle John wrote these words. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. So we are. Children of God. Can you say that this morning? There's a celebration feast and you are invited to enjoy the lavish, extravagant, even reckless love of the Father. Please, please, don't stand outside any longer. Now there was a man who had two sons. He was a father, a prodigal father. Let's pray this morning. Father God, may we as younger sons turn and be reconciled to you. May we as older sons put away our self-righteousness and be reconciled to you. May we as fathers demonstrate the reckless love that you have shown to us. And may it all be done to your glory. And all the people said, Amen.